Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of Booty and Barbeau on Believe Podcast. Rachel Barbeau, Josh Booty, so glad to have you along today. Listen, Josh, I've been a bad girl, and I have to own it. Can I get real, real with you? Get real, real, please. I like it when you're real, real. Uh, there's nobody that's more real than when you get real. So get, uh, let's get real. By the way, a couple of years ago, I have to say this before I tell my story. A couple of years ago, I came across where you and I decided to do our first podcast together and work mm-hmm. together for the first time, and we took some promotional pictures in Atlanta and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I just giggled at that and where, where we've, what we've done and, and uh, all the projects we've done, the trips we've taken mm-hmm. and all the neat things that we have done together. And so here we are all these years later. And last week, um, w- we record this podcast every week, but last week I literally could not come up for air. And it was because uh, listen, I've been around kids, a lot of kids for the past week and a half, and I pulled them off to the side, and I've probably been that scary adult that's uh, that's frightened them beyond belief. But I, I have said to them, Josh, don't grow up. It's a trap. Don't grow up. You don't get naps. You don't get snacks. You have to do things like taxes and move. And, uh, and, and so for the last week and a half, probably really two and a half weeks, I have been underwater uh, with taxes, literally like itemization, adding, uh, you know, highlighting cross-eyed and, and I'm not into numbers or figures. That's why I leave this for my tax person to do. But, but uh, as we were talking about getting ready for the show, you have to get the taxes done before you actually hand them off. <laughs> Responsibilities, huh? Responsibilities are a beast. It's work. You're right. It's work. You know, it, you know, when you grow up, there's so many responsibilities. You don't think about it when you're a kid. You think the world's crashing down in your head when you're in high school. You're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't know how fortunate you guys are that all you got to do is go to school and maybe go to practice after and have a little fun at night and play Nintendo and go to sleep. I mean, there's not a lot to this deal, you know. So growing up is tough. Uh, you know, that. I, I, shoot, but it seems like yesterday you bring up those memories about Atlanta and doing yeah. some of those uh, promotional pictures we did for our show on Gridiron Now, which was an yep. awesome show we did three or four years ago. But that seems like it was last year. I mean, the time flies, especially, I mean, football season, we're in week seven uh, in the NFL already, week six. You know, these teams have played six college games already. So it's, you know, it's uh, it's flying by and time flies by as the older you get. Yeah, death, taxes, bills, and broken hearts, okay? <laughs> I don't mean to paint a bleak picture, but uh, I just did. So everybody everybody that's listening to this podcast, maybe with their children <laughs> in the car, like you are a terrible person, Rachel. Thanks. I really appreciate it. A ray of sunshine you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can fix all that with a five-hour energy. No, we're not doing five-hour energy. Sponsorship <laughs> <laughs> right here, but uh, yeah. five-hour energy does a lot, can do a lot for you. <laughs> uh, tur- turn your mind to around there, Rachel. I, I will turn my mind around and I'll, I'll tell you, Josh, I, this Florida LSU game mm-hmm. was an absolute instant classic. Mm-hmm. And we have had a number of, when you're a TV executive, right. And you're choosing games and you're kind of, you know, you're kind of figuring out where this is going to go and that's going to go. There've been some duds, especially on Saturday night, you know, where they got out of hand easily and they weren't that great for mm-hmm. me. Another one that, that came to mind that was really good was Georgia Notre Dame uh, on, on a Saturday night. But this game in Tiger stadium 
with Florida coming off of a win versus Auburn in the Swamp, where really, Josh, to go back to that game for just two seconds, uh, Kyle Trask comes in. I love when the backup comes in, and he supersedes everybody's expectations. Not only that, uh, but to go back to that game, you know, we talk about the fans all the time and what's happening with technology and staying home, and it's just too expensive, and a, and a family of five or a family of three, and the gas and the, com- you know, the... Um, the food at the game and all of those things. The 12th man really for Florida in the swamp befuddled absolutely threw them for a loop, the Auburn Tigers. Mm -hmm. That young Patrick Nix, I mean, you know, Bo Nix as well, Patrick's son, you know, had to deal with that kind of swamp, uh, the swamp mentality, you know, I mean, all the fan bases in Florida and Florida field there in Gainesville, it's just, they're back, you know, and, and you could see that Florida's back in a major way. Now they, of course, we got them last week, but Florida is a good football team, and Mullen's a great football coach. But what you're talking about two weeks ago, and and the fans overwhelming, really Auburn uh, in that atmosphere. That's what happens when you go on the road in the SEC. A lot of times with young with a young team. So Florida comes in, and and we talk about one of the best defensives defenses in the country mm-hmm. versus one of the best offenses in the country. And and I have to tell you, I always like to ask you about this, kind of from a mind of a quarterback, the eyes of a quarterback. I keep waiting for the opportunity to get too big for Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. and uh, and it just doesn't. Uh, the kid is absolutely fantastic. He might have been one of the best transfers, mm-hmm. one of the most overlooked. Uh, guys, he just doesn't seem to get rattled, Josh. Yeah, we, you know, he's in a perfect situation, to be honest with you. I mean, I was talking about it yesterday. I played golf with the strength coach of the Cowboys, and he's a former LSU wide receiver and played for the Saints, was a special teams uh, stud for Mike Ditka back in the day. But we were talking about Burrow because he pays attention to the LSU program as close as I do. And he said, listen, you know, you got to think about it. This kid's a fifth-year senior. I mean, he practiced three years uh, against this. You know, he's a backup at Ohio State before he transferred, but he was under Urban Meyer running this spread offense, RPO offense, and and uh, you know running against that Ohio State uh, first team all for three years. You know, running scout mm-hmm. team, and and he ran the spread in high school and. He's 22 years old. He's been around college football for a while. And then now he gets into this situation where he's played a year. Last year he started at LSU. Now they weren't running the spread. They were running more of that eye formation stuff. But he had a, he played against SEC teams. So he's gone against all these teams and and, and seen, you know, what the SEC and the Southeastern Conference is like uh, and to play a full schedule. So experience, he's that's check mark, you know. And then and then you got all these wide outs that are unbelievable. You got four returning starters on the offensive line. You got great backs in the backfield. I mean, he didn't get touched the other night against Florida. No sacks. I mean, the offensive line did an mm. unbelievable job. So, yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow is nails. I mean, he is he has got ice water in his veins. You can tell he steps up. He makes every throw. He runs. He, he makes good decisions. He runs if he has to and gets that extra yardage. He can beat you with his feet. But, but I mean, I'm telling you, he's driving He's driving a, a Rolls Royce with all these athletes. And, and it's fun to watch. I, I can – only go back, and Orgeron, of course, was there at SC in the early 2000s. Uh, our head coach now was under mm-hmm. Pete Carroll, defensive line coach, and he probably has some serious references like this, like I would have. But I was at SC. My brother was a backup to Matt Leiner, but Leiner was driving a Rolls Royce. He was driving that Ferrari when he had Reggie Bush mm-hmm. and Lindell, and he had those Mike Williams and Dwayne Jarrett and all these Steve Smith. And, I mean, he they were locked and loaded. 
and, and, and the offensive line, a bunch of first-rounders up there, guys that knew what they were doing, tight ends that went to the NFL. That's what LSU is right now. They're, they're, they have so much talent at every position, and Burrow fits in perfectly with this offense. What would you say to the people that thought this was going to be a trap game? So, you know, because you and I talk yeah. about this all the time, right? We talk about, and and I've said this for a long time, and I stick by it. Is there's really actually four phases to the game? There's not three, and and you know you know this saying because you know me well. But it's offense, defense, special teams, and head games. The psychology <laughs> part of it is mm-hmm. so big, Josh. Like it's and a lot so of people big. don't it's, talk about it. Yeah. I'm glad you hit a, yeah. a, just hit the nail on the head here. But they, yeah. it is it is big, right? And, and it's different now. And if you could speak to that, it's different now than when even you played or even five, seven years ago. Because guess what? We live in an instantaneous age yep. where you can read everything about you. You can read the bad press clippings, the false press clippings. You can read the guy who thinks he's a journalist because he has a blog with 20 views. I mean, you can read it all. And then you can also, here's another deal. And we talk about changing the narrative. So proud of these kings at LSU is you can also instantaneously say something, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can instantaneously put your thoughts out there and take your career down or get down in the mud with these guys, or you can read your own press clippings that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So really that fourth phase of the game to me feels even more heightened in this day and age of, of instantaneous news and instantaneous you know, statements. I call it the app world. You know I mean? You can get on your phone and, and, and it's different now because you can read every piece of news that comes out. You can you can Google LSU football news, and it's like you get every article from one hour ago to six days ago. You know the the, the entire week's worth of articles because you're always focused on the week at hand, and you can read how good they're talking about it about you or how bad they're talking about you. Uh, you know, as a coaching staff, you can see all this stuff. I mean, there's just so much to it, right? It's a, it, like you said, it's a media world. What I liked is, and another thing <laughs> I'll, I'll refer back to USC and Pete Carroll, but the, the media and the press conference after the Florida game asked Ed Orgeron, you know, how do you get better every week? Your guys are winning. You're scoring 52 points on average per game. I mean, what do you do to sustain this, greatness that we're seeing on the field and he goes let's I learned this from Pete Carroll he goes you got to block out all that block out all the noise focus on the task at hand look at what's what's real right you talked we talked about real real the taxes are real real well let's look at what's real in in a football week right you look at the tape you know so you can learn from the tape it's like let's block out all the outside noise let's look at the tape let's see where we did good things and we could talk about them and celebrate some of the good plays because that's college football it's kids but let's also look at what's real the eye in the sky doesn't lie that's what they used to tell us in the nfl you know the film shows everything so if there's things you you did wrong they'll show up the next day when you're watching film and i think those corrections and making those corrections help a team get better as the season goes on i think that's what Pete carroll did did so well at usc that's why they were a dynasty and i think that's what orgeron's trying to carve out there at lsu is Let's not get all into this hype because the media and fans base, they've never been this excited this early in the season. I've never seen this like this. You know, we've kind of crept into national championships and we've had losses on our way to national championships. But right now we're unscathed. We're rolling. We've never seen an offense. We're leading the nation in offense. Our quarterbacks, uh, top one or two in the Heisman trophy race. We've never been, this is, uh, you know, rarefied air for us. So, or uncharted territory for us. So this is this is going to be a big part, like you said, of of how we do the rest of the way. You know, and speaking of that quarterback and the Heisman, you and I first started this podcast weeks ago uh, when the season started, and 
And we talked about Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, right? And and they have lived up to the hype. And I heard Gino Toretta, uh, famous yeah, Heisman yeah. Trophy winning quarterback for Miami, say the other day, in my day and age, if you were a 60% passer, that was mm-hmm. good. What we're seeing now, Josh, is unprecedented with these signal callers. Yeah, 80% is what is Joe Burrow's completing, which is tops in the nation. And you're thinking about, wow. you got to think about that, eight out of 10. And Gino's right. I mean, I've looked at this thing many a times where I'm like, and these these numbers keep going up. Even in the NFL, they go up. And now may, some of it is, you know, they protect the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks feel a little bit more comfortable. They protect their wide receivers at the NFL level, and that trickles down. They feel a little bit more comfortable going across the middle. But offenses have changed as well and 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 so 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 coordinators are calling these plays with the rpos which is run pass option so it gives them a chance to get the ball out of their hand faster it eliminates a lot of the rush because the fact that it's play action rpo is could be a run so it's a play action type of offense and then you spread everybody out there's a lot of quick throws back in the day it was eye back so if you go back and watch footage on terry bradshaw or troy aikman i'm thinking of a few they were eye backfield pro style, two receiver sets. I mean, you talk about, you know, it, it was very difficult to complete a ton of balls in a football game because it was just there wasn't that many opportunities. And and the and the play calls were much different. I mean, most of the plays were, you know, 10, 12 yards down the field, cut in, cut out, you know, come back, uh, either or, or go ball or deep post. You know, you had all these different routes. Now, uh, deep routes. Now you got all these different little plays uh that you can do there's two or three throws that you can do in the middle of each play giving a quarterback and a real out at the line of scrimmage i mean if they're blitzing there's keys it's just it's much more sophisticated now but there's also a lot more shorter throws and uh they get it out to the perimeter fast it's almost like playing basketball and you can tell these offenses that really know what they're doing and then you can tell the ones that really don't you know, it, it, speaking of, we're talking about Joe Burrow and and kind of being a um, under the radar hero. You know, the, the same could be said for Ed Ogeron because you look at. Uh, I wouldn't call him. I, I saw an article and they were talking about the difference between a bargain and and cheap. He's certainly not cheap, but you look at what his counterpart uh, Nick Saban is getting paid almost double. You look at uh, or double. You look at what Dabo Sweeney is getting paid double. Um, and maybe even a little bit more. And and it seems like Ed Ogeron is kind of that that coach that's just been coming mm-hmm. and coming <laughs> and coming and coming. Now, listen, there's a lot of football left to be played. But at this moment, if we could take a snapshot of what Ed Ogeron has done for this program, and you've heard it and I've heard it, Josh, it's been kind of the last two to three years. Something's brewing at LSU. Something's brewing down in the bayou. And that's been uh, been led by one Ed Ogeron. Yeah, his, his tenacity, uh, it's like it's, you can watch a team and you can, you can, you, you can, you know, you can watch a team on Saturdays. You can watch a team practice during the week and they take on their personality of the head coach. They really do. Every team does. And that's why they pay these guys a lot of money. And Orgeron is underpaid compared to some of the, the big top guys that are probably top 10 coaches in the league, but, or in the, in college football. But, you know, I just think that his tenacity, his work ethic, his recruiting habits, uh, they, you know, LSU does a great job recruiting, and this was that was a huge recruiting night for for LSU uh, last Saturday night. Uh, they had over a hundred recruits there, which was just huge for them to, to win on that platform. 
and to have the type of game that, that we saw with all the explosive plays, that was awesome for LSU. But but Orgeron, everything he does, he he commits 110%. I didn't say 100%, 110%. I mean, this guy doesn't sleep. Uh, you know, I mean, he does, he'll go anywhere at any time. I mean, he does all the, the interview stuff. He works with the media. He's a, he's a bulldog on the field. Um, he believes in his guys. He, uh, he brings a, a good vibe and energy every day. I mean, that's what I like about him. Uh, you know, at, at first when you meet him, you're like, Oh, you know, he's such a gorilla. And then, and then, you know, then he, then you fall in love with the guy over time. And that's when one thing my brother told mm-hmm. me that played for him at USC is, and he recruited JD, my brother, at, to USC from Louisiana. He goes, you know what, Orzeron at first, he kind of get on your nerve because he was such a raw, raw gorilla guy. But by the end of it, he right. was our favorite coach because he had your back, you know, and he was in the trenches with you. And he wanted to be in the game. I mean, he could tell he wanted to run out there on a kickoff. And I think that's the mentality of LSU right now is everybody in the fans and everybody wants to be out there on the field playing. It's such a fun brand of football to watch, and he's into it. All right. You know, let's uh, – we, we talked a lot about Joe Brady, a lot about Steve Ensminger, a lot about Joe Burrow, a lot, a lot, a lot about this historic offense, and and all that credit is due – but you know the guy uh, that they they went into a bidding war for was Dave mm-hmm. Aranda, um, one of the highest and best defensive coordinators, highest paid and best defensive coordinators in in all of college football. And I think some of the shine the shine's not off of him. We know what he's doing, but I also think I was I was uh, listening to some of the interviews after the game, and uh, Fajoko was talking about the fact that this kind of platoon mm-hmm. style defense mm-hmm. that they play and because of that they don't get tired because of that they can come off of the field they have depth they have different guys that go in different groups that go in and uh and 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 because of that he can sit and he can watch mentally and say okay this is what's happening on the field I can watch this guy I want to do this I need to do this here's a tendency I can grab some water and and especially that's especially important Josh with how fast this offense scores oh yeah you know it's I think in the first half of that game against Florida, we were a little frustrated. And you mentioned rotation up front on the defensive mm-hmm. line and, and how many players. We got Lawrence and – I mean, we got Rashard Lawrence and we got Glenn Logan back last week. And Chason looks to be more healthy. And that's adding three key members to that front. And then so, – so we've had a lot of guys that played early. And so now you got experience and depth, right, with those guys back. And I think that's what – what Aranda was trying to dial up in the second half is Florida went up and down the field and frustrated the heck out of us in the first half throwing the football. Yep. And you could yep. tell, I mean, Florida was up 28-21 at some point in the game. And, and they get, we gave up 21 first quarter, uh, first half points, sorry. And it was an absolute, you know, shootout. And what, what we did up front physically is with that rotation, we just wore them out in the second half. We played a little bit more dime. We got a little more speed behind those rush guys. Uh, to cover some of the Florida receivers because they were really beating us in the pass game, not the run game. And Trask did a heck of a job. Mullen had did a heck of a job. They moved the chains all night wow. on us. But that's what 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 was the difference, right? You called it. it was the it was the rotation up front, and that we played a little bit more nickel and dime coverage and got some speedier guys in there to cover some of the slot receivers. And we played faster in the second half. And I think that we just wore them out because of our depth. We got eight guys that can play on the defensive line, and we got speed and athleticism. And that was the real difference in the game at the end of the game because they only scored seven points in the second half. We scored another 21 points. So we really beat them in the second half. And that's adjustments, you know, and that's depth. 
And, and that's what yes. Really and you know, that's the other thing I like to say all the time. If you've worked with me long enough, or if you listen to me long enough, you'll hear me say it's really not one game. There's two games sandwiched into one game. It's the first mm-hmm. half and the second half. And who wins is a team that out adjust mm-hmm. in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what LSU did. And you were able to see the attrition uh, that happened uh, for for Florida in the second half, particularly along their defensive line. The physicality of this game just really wore down. Yeah, it Florida. did. You know, on the both sides of the ball, you're right. I mean, like I mentioned, we've got some veteran, experienced guys on the offensive line too, and we kept them out. They they got banged up early on the defensive line. A guy got hurt. Another guy was hobbled a little bit, and you know that took away a little bit of their their pressure. And that, that's why Burrow was able to sit back there. And uh, you know, pick and choose, and and he and he did a fabulous job at completing balls. He was twenty one to twenty four in the game. I mean, so he was he you know he was on all night, and uh, that was that was a huge key to the ball game, no doubt. Josh, before we get out of here this week, uh, definitely want to hear your thoughts on Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Listen, fans, we know, listen, fan is short for fanatic. We a fan is not known to be rational logical, realistic, all of those things. We want what we want when we want what we want. I mean, it, it is what it is. And But Mississippi State fans, there's grumbling coming out of uh, Stark Vegas mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to this Mississippi State team. And is Joe Moorhead the guy? And what's going on here? Uh, certainly uh, plucked to be the, uh, the coach there for what he did uh, at Penn State as the offensive coordinator. But but what's going on with Mississippi State? And you know what? Here's the thing. Let me back up and say this. I, I knew whether it was Mississippi State or someone else in the SEC on their schedule, I knew Tennessee, after watching them against Georgia, particularly in the first half, was going to <laughs> bite somebody mm-hmm. uh, in the rear end. I, I knew it. And 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 crazy enough, I don't really take stock in, in you know, uh, you know, well, we, we played well, you know, those, uh, those kind of wins, but at the same time, Josh, uh, there, I certainly saw points of growth for the Tennessee program mm-hmm. versus Georgia and uh, positive signs, things that, that Jeremy Pruitt and his coaching staff can take back into film and to practice and say, you did this well, we're growing, we're moving in the right direction. And, and so I, I knew that they were going to get somebody. I didn't know it was going to be Mississippi state. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on this team well, that LSU I, I, is going I don't, to face? I don't necessarily hate. I don't want to hate on Mississippi State. They've got seven returners on offense. They they're averaging thirty two points per game and over four hundred yards offense in this you know Joe Moorhead spread uh, that he brought down from Penn State. Where, where I think they are good, are vulnerable and they're going to get hurt is on defense. They run a four three. Uh, they've been doing it for years, but they've got they've only got three returning starters, and they, they lost three of their defensive linemen in, in early in the draft last year. So you talk about you know Mississippi State doesn't really recruit at the level that LSU does or Alabama does, and that, that hurts them when you lose uh, three players on the defensive line to the draft. I mean, maybe one or two, but when you lose three guys of that. Uh, magnitude on a defense and you've only got three guys coming back they're a little bit vulnerable and 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 our offense is super good and I think we're going and Orgeron he said it again the press conference we're putting the pedal to the metal I mean there is no stopping our offense I don't think and and I don't think they got the the 
the Warriors up front, Mississippi State, I'm talking about, to stop this this offense. I think we're just – we're really, really good on offense, and that's going to give them fits. I mean, they're giving up 27 points per game and over 400 yards as well, Mississippi State is, and that's, that's going to be the downfall for them this week. Now, two years ago, we went in there and got a good old-fashioned butt whip and uh, Mullen put on us uh, in Starkville, but they had a lot of those players on that team, and, and that defense was much better than they are. Uh, this year. So Joe Moorhead's got to go and recruit some guys. He's probably going to go get some junior college guys to fill in some of those gaps. And then the young guys are getting some experience. So Mississippi State's going to, they're going to be fine. It's just, uh, I don't think they're going to have the defensive players to stop LSU in, in this situation, this, you know, this part of the year, uh, you know, this year. I, I just, I, I don't see how they, they could play and beat LSU with this type of offense unless something happened to Burrow or something early in the game. And lastly, uh, the the game that we keep talking about and keep looking towards the tilt, Alabama and LSU. It seems like Alabama, I think they recorded five sacks last week. Uh, Alabama getting up on uh, to Alabama standards at just the right time for for <laughs> this tilt to be uh, you know to be top level I think if it that's wasn't where, already. You know, we could be vulnerable as an offense. Is you know you put pressures on a quarterback and now he has to do some. You know you get in bad situations. You get sacked a second and long, or if it's third and long, you know you got to put Burrow. And if I'm a defense, you got to get after him and put him in long down you know situations and make it very difficult on him getting his. I mean, really, that's that's the key to football, though. You know, you talk about that at every level, high school, college, pro. If you get in Tom Brady's face, uh, you know, Buffalo did it two weeks ago. Uh, the Patriots don't score but one offensive touchdown. He throws he throws no touchdowns in that game. And I watch the Patriots closely because I, I really like what they do as a team. But, you know, that's that's how that's the key to football. I mean, getting in the quarterback's face, you got to get pressure on on Burrow. You've got to make him, you know maybe take a few sacks in the game, maybe make a mistake or two. But uh, there's only several teams that can that can get to Burrow, I think, this year because we're so good on the offensive line and we've got a lot of lot of experience in that you know in that on that unit. So Alabama's the one team that scares me. Josh, another great addition of Booty and Barbeau. By the way, I uh, just want to tell our listeners, please give us uh, rate the podcast, share the podcast, tell a friend about it. And, uh, you know, listen, if you're you're not an LSU fan, you can still appreciate this team, what they're doing, uh, the historic nature of, of, of mm-hmm. what they're doing and how they're going about their business. You can very much still appreciate that. And so I love doing this with oh, you, Josh, Thanks, and I Rachel. can't wait Have for next week. Have a good week, and I enjoyed the sh- show once again doing it with you. I think the sky's the limit for our offense again this week. We're going to rock, rock and roll. All right. Have a great week, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.